Welcome to Fast Fiction. Jessica Turnbull, aged 37, spinster and virgin, had been living in four Culliford gardens all her life. It had been a life that was both safe and unspectacular. Jessica had left her job as a librarian nearly five years before to become the full-time carer for her mother, incapacitated with severe emphysema. Mother had finally died just two years before, and with library skills woefully out of date, let alone social ones, she had not felt capable of looking for another job. Not that she felt totally alienated. By day she would converse with her neighbours over the fences, although for the last couple of years the fences were all quite overgrown with cat's paw and ivy. She would also exchange a few words of small talk with the butcher, the greengrocer and supermarket checkout staff. Yes, it was hot today, wasn't it? Apparently temperatures are way over the norm. Or... It's not too bad if you can stay in the sun, but that westerly wind is a killer. Thank God for the weather. The highlight of her week was a visit to the library, when she may have the opportunity to discuss her book return, which was usually a romance, one level up from Mills and Boone. When her mother had died, Jessie had grieved for many weeks. Then, as life must go on, she had begun to rearrange the house, in small ways, to suit herself. The major change was to take over the back room, which had been her mother's bedroom. Strictly speaking, it was a lounge room, with French windows looking out onto the garden. As it faced south, with the onset of mother's illness, they had moved a single divan to the back of the room, so that she could enjoy the early morning sun in the winter, and keep cool in the summer. Such was Jessie's life, and although she had many yearnings, she felt it was her lot to be content. One bitterly cold, wet Thursday night, it changed completely. She had gone to bed at 10.30pm, according to routine. 10 minutes simple calisthenic exercises, 20 minutes read, snuggled down under the bedclothes, and by 11 o'clock she was fast asleep. She did wake again about 2.30am because the wind was now howling into a gale which had set dogs barking a few doors up the road. Like Jessie, they usually slept through the night, but occasionally an errant possum would wander into their territories and of course they just had to defend it. With the barking decreasing, Jessie allowed her eyes to gently close again but not before she had registered a slight scraping on the lock of the French windows. She peered through the gloom to see the handle gradually turning. She froze. Then just as gently and quietly a figure came into the room. It was a man, fairly tall and thick-set, wearing dark trousers, jacket and black beanie. He stood perfectly still and listened. Jessie lay perfectly still and watched. As his eyes became familiar with the room, he took a few steps forward. Then he saw Jess. What the f- It was a quiet expletive, but forceful. He raised his arm menacingly, and Jess quivered back into the limited protection of the blankets. 
Jessica was petrified. She had never been in a situation like this before. But then, she quickly realised, apparently neither had the intruder. If anything, he was more nervous than she was. In a forced whisper, he asked, Is there anyone else in the house? Too late, Jess found herself shaking her head and saying, No. He began to tiptoe towards the door, quietly opened it, then just as quietly closed it again, as a thought came to him. Where's the telephone? Mobile? Jess shook her head again and quietly said, There isn't one. If he had thought it strange, he didn't say so, although she could easily have explained that with no one to call. It wasn't worth the rental. He began to open the door again, then stopped and hissed. Get up. When she still did not move, he said, I'm not taking any chances. Get up. He gave force to his message by raising the menacing arm in even more threat. Jess pushed the blankets back, and as her bare feet hit the cold floor, she was aware of the skimpiness and shortness of her night attire. Are you going to rape me? She asked in a quivering voice. What? The puzzled question was followed by the crushing... No way. He took a few steps back and grabbed her wrist, pulling her closer to him as he steered her towards the door. His mouth was close to her ear as he said... If you yell, I'll... He did not finish the sentence, but whether because the conclusion was too horrible or just he hadn't decided, Jess was unsure. Like Siamese twins, they paddled through the door and into the hallway. Her old bedroom was on the other side, facing the street. Through the open door, they could see the moonlight filtering through the net curtains. Still not completely confident he was in an empty house, the intruder edged quietly forward into the room, his hand over her mouth, until they were close to the window. Together, they peered out. Jess was surprised to hear and see a good deal of disturbance in the street, just a few doors up beyond her own. Two highly agitated neighbours were gesturing to one another. He jerked them both back roughly, dislodging his hand from her mouth. Seeing her rub her bruised lips, he stepped back. Sorry, he said apologetically. Being a polite woman, Jessie returned with, That's all right, it doesn't hurt much. Then, seeing the neighbours return to their homes, she asked, equally politely, You didn't kill or hurt anybody, did you? He stared at her deeply offended. Then, pulling back further, he said, Christ, no. I only broke into their shed to get out of the pelting rain. He hung his head in shame. I've had some bad luck lately. Lost my job, got thrown out of my digs, and, well, not used to living on the streets, I lost my wallet. Stolen, I guess. Defensively, he continued. When I saw the kitchen door open, I went in to get some food. I haven't eaten for two days. How awful for you. The words slipped out from Jessica as, with compassion, she put her hand on his arm. They both fell silent as the new implication of their situation compacted. I don't suppose you... He stopped obviously embarrassed. Then Jess said, I can make you a sandwich, adding shyly, I have some homegrown tomatoes. He turned to look at her. Yes, I saw the plants. Some have fallen down in the wind. They'll need restaking. You like gardening? She nodded, and it seemed natural for them to make their way to the kitchen. I only grow salad stuff. The winter crops seem to encourage snails and caterpillars. 
she said conversationally. You never thought of synergy? He asked as he sat down at the kitchen table while Jess got out bread, butter and a bowl of the aromatic tomatoes. Seeing her wrinkle her brow, he went on. Synergy means working together. In the garden, it means growing compatible plants for mutual benefit and immunity against pests. He finished up as they both took a bite from their late-night supper. They sat munching companionably until both became aware of the increasing wail of a police siren. It stopped close by. They stared at each other in silence. Suddenly, the doorbell rang. In a totally uncharacteristic, decisive tone, Jess whispered, Go and get into the bed in the front room. He stared at her for a moment. Then, probably because he had little other option, the man did as he was told. Jess followed, pulling the door to the kitchen open, along with the one to the bedroom. Then, fully aware of her skimpy nightdress, she opened wide the front door. Two burly policemen stood there. Excuse me, ma'am. Sorry to bother you, but we just wanted to warn you there may be a prowler in the area. Could you make sure your doors and windows are secure? The older one said as he flashed his police ID. He had taken a step into the hallway as he spoke and Jess saw his eyes roamed into the kitchen at the half-eaten food and open front bedroom door where a man's back could be seen lying in the bed. Jess gave a little feminine whimper before saying, A prowler? Goodness! Well, thank you for telling us. Us? The policeman picked up. I'm sorry, ma'am. We were informed you lived alone. Jess giggled girlishly. Well, officer, I don't publicise my love life, but we always do lock the doors before we uh, retire. After all, we don't want to be interrupted in bed, do we? The policeman nodded and turned away smirking. Jess stood at the door until they went out the gate and into the next house. There was also a smirk on Jessica's face too, as she shut and locked the front door securely. They've gone, she called out quietly, as she made her way back to the front bedroom, delighted to see the same look on the intruder's face as his head came out from under the blankets and he turned over towards her. Which is probably why when Jessica Turnbull woke up the next morning, she was still 37, still a spinster, but no longer a virgin. You have been listening to Synergy, written and dramatised by Brianda Cross, narrated by Maureen Durney and performed by John Cross. If you would like more information about our podcasts, please go to fastfictionpodcasts.com. Thank you.